This should be played at high volume. You're listening. I'm not us. To the Grind Hours Podcast. You can either have the money and a hammer, or you can walk out of here. You can't have both. On today's emergency podcast edition of the Grind Hours podcast, um, we're talking the Francisco Lindor trade. This is very old school esque. Um, it's very spur of the moment. I tried to get uh, this podcast off the ground a couple of times, technical difficulties and uh, booking complications with work. Um, we're arriving at this, and I'm not mad at it. Um, I have second time guest, recurring guest, Mets fan. Uh, Robert Presser online, and um, you're the second person that I texted about this. Actually, no, you're the first person I texted about this. And um, as a Met fan, are you optimistic about this? Cautiously, cautiously optimistic about this, or just waiting for the other shoe to drop with this Lindor trade? All right. Well, I'll say that uh, since the team transferred ownership, I have not been waiting for any shoes to drop. So I think we should maybe start there. It's been really really exciting to be a Mets fan for the for the last several months and I can't necessarily say that it has been that case too many times in my young life I'll also say yes I'm definitely pleased with this trade I think that Ahmed Rosario we've seen much of what he can do it wouldn't surprise me if he shot off and had a great season at some point in the next couple of years I think that Andres Jimenez is a young talent, and I think that I haven't heard anyone say this, but I really think that we need to credit Luis Rojas for playing him as much as he did last year. I don't have the number in front of me, but it has to be between 40 and maybe 45 games if I had to take a guess that he played last year. And doing so really allowed him to showcase what he's capable of doing on a on a national level to develop the kind of value he has in the trade market. And we were just chatting about this before starting that the Mets managed to keep their number one shortstop prospect in case of an emergency, mm-hmm. which with the Mets is like more likely than not. So the trade, of course, the two minor leaguers are going as well. We're getting one of the top, I don't know, 15, top 10 most talented uh, position players or infielders, whatever you want. I'd, I'd say he's top 10 in the game. He's the best shortstop in the game, hands down. Yeah, so um, in terms of, yeah. Yeah, I like. You, Jimenez played forty nine games last year. I really liked him because uh, I watched I watched a lot of Mets games last year, and I mean, for the for the Mets fans that are upset that they got rid of Jimenez and your ninth and tenth best prospect for Lindor, you're thinking you're you, there's a lot of scarred Mets fans that don't like this trade and. I will. I understand why, because they've been conditioned in a way where you're a New York team, but you don't really act like one. And this is the first deal where the Mets are acting like they're in, in the biggest market in the country, and you're getting you're getting a top ten talent. You're getting a guy that's going to be in your life for 
eight to ten years potentially. I, I, I really think that this is a it's comparable to the Mookie Betts deal. It's not going to get you to championship level because I don't think the Mets are necessarily at that level yet. But this is a move that starts that. And I, I love this trade for the Mets. I, I think he is a great fit. I didn't think this trade was actually going to happen. I, I knew that um, Lindor was rumored to, to possibly be here. And, and the throw-in, or I should put air quotes around that, Carlos Carrasco, yeah, he had a tough year with, with injuries and, and getting COVID. But, I mean, when he's healthy, he's a really good arm, and he could be a very nice Robin to DeGrom's Batman until Syndergaard gets back, and you, and you have Strowman. So right there, once Syndergaard comes back, you have four legitimate starters that you can throw into a playoff series. Because screw the regular season. I, this team, talent-wise, is a top, arguably a top three team in, in, in the league. Mm. Yeah, I think that the offense is going to be without question really quite terrific. And I think we talked about this last time I was on the podcast that this team has quickly shifted from a team that I always felt, you know, on any night you could see just an absolutely incredible pitching performance to a team that might allow six runs a game and still win. Um, you're going to be biting your nails, chewing your cuticles from the sixth inning to the to the ninth inning most nights because you don't know what you're going to get out of the the relievers, they could be locked down or they could be horrendous. Um, but yeah, definitely shifted to more of an offensive minded team. And to that point, I mean, for the foresight of Alderson to negotiate in that deal. And, and I, of course, don't know the particulars of how that went down, but for the foresight to say, no, no, we need an arm. We need a, we need a, a pitcher out of this, out of this trade. And we're going to make sure we get one. We're going to bring in someone and someone with a, maybe a tattooed history. You could say for, Carrasco, but he's had great years. And, you know, I think for me, the fact that he, of course, as you mentioned, he's had he's had injuries, he's had um, cancer. But the fact that he recovered from that shows that perhaps he's the kind of player who's going to do whatever it takes to win. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the point about Carrasco as well. I, what this does for me is I like um, I like their arms. I think this pushes Lugo into the bullpen, which benefits him because as much as the Mets want him to be a starter, I think it's a Jabba Chamberlain situation where I think he's better out of the bullpen and he's just not a starting pitcher. Um, yeah, so you have Lugo, you have Trevor May, you have Gazelman if you want, Mats if you want. Don't you, yeah. you still have Batantis. You got Miguel Castro from uh, from Baltimore last year. Um, Brad Brock could have a bounce back. Batantis is definitely going to have a bounce back here. I would love to see them re-sign uh, the lefty who's a free agent who was just absolutely- Justin Wilson. Justin Wilson, yeah, thank you. I couldn't place the name. So I like their arms a lot. I think. Um, I think it's a plus that you didn't give up, give up David Peterson either. I really, really like him yeah, as your as your fifth arm. David Peterson, a guy who throws ninety two and locates, and I think he throws a sinker. Like he's not looking to overpower anybody, and I think it's great to just have somebody who can go out there reliably and eat a couple innings and and just delicately retire batters. That's that's what he does, and he does it. He's done it pretty well. 
You know what? It also helps that he's lefty too. So exactly, yeah. Because you we can, don't know what we're getting out of Matts. <laughs> I think honestly, what this trade does is push Matts into a long reliever role, and it's you could potentially see what happened with Lugo in eighteen with Matts. Just put him in uh, short spurts. Let him. Let him just fire at all cylinders, not have to worry about keeping something on the back end for the for the sixth or seventh inning, and just let just let it loose. And I think he could be very valuable in a situation where if he gets in the if it's the right spot in the order, you could have him eat two or three innings potentially if you if you really need him to. I I, I like Stroman as well. Um, in terms of the rotation. So what this deal does is just make your team better all around. I don't know if you're better than the Braves. I, I really don't. Um, I don't want to go out here and say that the Mets are the, prefer, the proverbial favorite yet. Um, actually, let's take a really quick break, and uh, we'll come back and talk about the, the potential moves that this could, um, could do for the Mets down the road. Let's switch gears and talk about the offseason as a whole, because I think this is not only the domino that's going to knock the LeMahieu, Bauer, and um, Springer dominoes into effect, and they're going to land somewhere in probably the next two weeks. Um, I think you could still go out and get a Springer, and I don't think you have to necessarily get a Bauer, but you can get... Um, Plan B, somebody underneath him that's still good, that can still give you innings. Um, you can't go out and get um, the dude from Japan anymore because the signing the signing day has come and gone with him. So he's sticking in Japan for another year. Um, but you can you can throw your hat in the ring for a Tanaka, for a Paxton, for uh, an. Um, and Odorizzi, because I don't think Odorizzi is signed yet. I, I'm not certain. I don't think he's signed yet either, because I, I feel like we would know if he were signed. The thing is, I mean, some of these other players, it's hard to imagine them going anywhere other than their team that they just ex-entered free agency on. Like, I can't see... LeMahieu going anywhere except back to the Yankees. I can't see Tanaka going anywhere except back to the Yankees. The kind of connection that those two players have with the fan base, and in the case of Tanaka, in kind of in spite of a, a language barrier, I think is so incredible. And, I mean, we've seen LeMahieu succeed in other places, but the degree of production since he started wearing pinstripes has just been unmatched. I mean, he's been such an underrated, under underappreciated across baseball type player with high batting average, such reliability, great great batting average in clutch situations, um, plays like every infield position. So I can't see him not going back to the Yankees, but he should be getting paid commensurate with that production. Well, I mean, the talk with the Yankees, and this is uh, the Steinbrenner's pitching pennies, is they don't really want to go the extra year with LeMahieu, which I think is ridiculous. I think he's been the MVP the past two years of the league. Um but I really think that this – I don't think Bauer's on the table anymore for the Mets. I think they've moved on. I, I'm okay um, with that. I don't, th- I don't think he's going to be 
he's going to get too much money in this market and they don't need a number one, right? Like they need some guys who could take innings between the three to the four, three to the five slot. You need what you thought Waka was going to be last year. That's what you need. Yeah, I agree with that. Or, or Porcello even. Which, right. You know, no, I f- fully agree with that. I mean, Springer would be incredible to come here, but I could see someone like him, even at his age, which I think is 29 or 30, I could see him getting paid right now. And, I, and there's still a part of me that's a little bit resentful of the whole Astros thing because he was one of the focal points. Like, this isn't J.D. Davis who had four plate appearances and was a rookie, rookie that year or something. This is like a guy who's at the center of it. But we need a center fielder. So, you know, you, you balance it. You reconcile those two facts. I think um, what, what uh, Springer can do for you in center field, it doesn't matter what his past is. He's a guy who could hit 40 bombs for you, bat 280, and play tremendous uh, defense up the middle. And, and, I mean, if you get Springer, you've solved your problems for the past, I don't know, de- uh, decades since Beltron and... Reyes left hmm. because that's where the problems lie. It's been up the middle. So you yeah. you got James McCann. You just traded for Lindor, and if you sign Springer, mm-hmm. I mean, you bring well, that's in, in, in Lindor and Springer, aspects. two top twenty guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's improvements in defense all the way around, right? Like I liked Wilson Ramos in spite of his pretty bad season last year. I think that was still a great signing for the two years we had him because he was just so good the previous year. Um, but it's obvious that his defense is not on caliber with James McCann. And then, you know, you look at at putting one of the best infielders in the majors at your, you know, right in the middle of that infield and in Francisco Lindor. And, of course, you're going to have a much better infield. And then, then when you look at, you know, the center fielder, I like Brandon Nimmo as a center fielder, but just he just doesn't look as comfortable out there. You know, but then he's we have not, a problem. Because he's not a center fielder. Outfielders. Right. But then we have a problem of where do you put the other outfielders? You know you've got Michael Conforto, who, by the way, please resign him or please uh, extend him. I should say he will be extended. He's but a, you've also got a Dom Smith and a JD a Davis. Man. I think JD Davis has to play third. I'll keep saying that. I think JD Davis has to play third. But then where do you put Dominic Smith? Where do you put these other outfielders that all need need homes? I think uh, I'm not sold, or I I don't know. I don't think anybody knows where the the DH lies in terms of National League, but it's it's going to be a godsend for the Mets if, if the DH is here to stay in the National League because they're not going to have to worry about getting Dom Smith at bats. You could put Dom Smith at a DH role, or you could put Alonzo at a DH role on some days if need be, and roll out with your best. If you again, if you do get Springer, which I think is now Jared Porter, his his full focus is okay. What is it going to t- t- what's it going to take to get Springer in here? Um, so, and again, if you get Springer, I think that pushes you over the hump once the uh, Syndergaard gets back as the best team in the NL East. I really do. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to what kind of rotation the Braves are going to have because last year their starters were just so decimated by injuries, yet they were still quite good. So, I mean, I don't like to call my shots, and especially when a team has a really active offseason, and I'm not complaining, don't get me wrong, 
but I personally tend to be a little bit more reserved about being more, you know, I try to be more reserved. I, it takes me back to San Diego. I think it was in 2015. Yep. They made all these trades. It got yep. the up. It got upped in, and they got you know Kimbrel, and they were so excited, and then they totally just were the Padres in 2016. Well, I mean, they did the exact same thing. Uh, I, I put it on Twitter. I said I just want to cover my bases here, and that we can end on this. Um, that I said, you know, the Padres have quote unquote won the offseason before, and they did the exact same thing with getting Snell and Darvish. So mm. on paper, they're awesome. Um, Super Padres is what I've heard. Yeah, no, they had a, they had a great offseason, and the difference between maybe the Padres then and the Mets now, and this is maybe me just rationalizing. I don't know. Is maybe the Padres didn't have quite the level of talent necessary prior to those acquisitions, prior to those trades, right? Whereas the Mets really did have a pretty strong core of players. You're talking about the Davis and McNeil. Where do we even fit McNeil? Right, Alonzo. Oh, right. Duh, of course. Well, yeah, yeah, second and short. Yeah, honestly, this infield is absolutely stacked. I think, I really think Mets fans are going to, and again, we'll end on this. Uh, I think Lindor as terms of a clubhouse presence is going to fit right in with this club. Um, I think him and uh, Alonzo are probably going to be best friends when it comes to uh, just who their personalities are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what Lindor's nickname is going to be. Uh, <laughs> but so, I mean, you're going to have to counterbalance a, a polar bear and a flying squirrel in the infield, but uh just the versatility that this team has all around the lineup flexibility that you now have where, I mean, where do you put McNeil? Because Lindor, you have a Lindor Alonzo one, two. That's ridiculous. I mean, and if you get Springer, that one, two, three of uh, Lindor Alonzo and Springer, that's arguably the best in baseball. Uh, yeah, I I can't say enough good things about this trade, and I think this is going to be the staple of, of when things turned around. I'm not saying this is going to be a trade that gives you a a World Series trophy, but it's definitely going to usher in a different era of Mets baseball. Yeah, fully agree. Fully agree. Great. That's like a great summary of the way we're all feeling over these last few days. Really terrific. All right, Robert. Uh, now is the time to promote yourself. If you got anything going on, the red carpet is all yours. And uh, go ahead. Thank you so much, Joe. And also, thanks for just, thanks for having me back. Uh, actually, since our last conversation, I became a public school teacher. And in fact, I just updated my LinkedIn. So I really would love to direct your audience to go check out my credentials over there on LinkedIn. Robert Presser. Thank you so much. You're, again, the only person, and I love this about about uh, having you on the podcast. You're the only person that's ever promoted their LinkedIn, and I will I will point that out and love it every single time. <laughs> Robert, the invitation's always open. Um, I'm sure I'm going to have you on at some point during the season to talk some Mets, and uh, you'd be good, all right? Absolutely. Stay well. 
On this side of the coin, not to pick JLeo on Twitter, j.sports.blogspot.com. And, of course, this podcast. If you reach this point, please like, subscribe, share with anybody who you see fit. And don't forget to download the podcast. Um, really quick one. Just wanted to get in and out here. Uh, more podcasts will return to normal next week, starting on Tuesday. And until then, it's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Peace.